the podcast very few have asked for. The place where you'll get the truth if you can stay awake long enough. Yes, you've got it. It's SAG Sex. Yes, welcome folks. Snag Says Podcast 6, the last one for 2016. Glad to have you along. It's uh, late December. We've just gone through Christmas. Uh, and uh, we thought we'd look back this year at uh, what's happened. It has been a momentous year in many ways, pop culture particularly. Uh, we thought we'd just look back at some of the events and uh, discuss them openly. And uh, I have uh, alongside me young Seek, who is... Uh, the elder of Seek and Destroy, who've become famous via the podcast, young Spencer, who I'm not allowed to call young anymore, who is now an adult. Welcome, Spence. Hey, why does Eric come here every podcast and you can't get him to say a single word? Well, he can't miss it. He likes to see the technical stuff done in the background. Are you paying him by word? By word, and he is expensive, so I just keep him limited to that little bit at the start. And what about the uh, creepy clown phenomenon, Spence? That was pretty <laughs> yeah. large in the States, wasn't it? Yeah, for a while there. What was the story there? People getting all dressed up and scaring people? Uh, because when I was a youngster, the clown was a funny type. Nothing funny about a clown. Nothing funny about... Completely spooky now. Ridiculous. Well, I uh, I enjoyed it, but uh, um, it came and went, didn't it? And it's probably part of the internet generation, do you think, that uh, that, that kicked off? What, what caused the creepy clown uh, phenomenon, do you think? Ah... Oh. That's impossible to answer. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Seems like that's impossible to answer. I don't know. I have no idea. No, I have no idea. <laughs> it came and went, though. Things yeah. do come and go, don't they? Like, they, they come and go much more quickly now. I guess it comes into your theory of uh, instant gratification with this generation. I, I think it does. And you can mobilise people quickly. Yeah. We're all in contact with each other. Well, further to that was uh, the Pokemon Go phenomenon. Yeah. With that went berserk. But it came and went as quickly... It flared. Well, it? it should have gone berserk. It, it makes sense why it did. I never played it, but when I was a kid, I certainly played Pokemon. And it, like, it's a really cool thing in in its depth. Mm. Believe it or not, yep. it seems like some stupid, um, you know, eight bit toy game. But it's actually it's a pretty cool thing, and a lot of people were seriously into it back into the day. So to be able to put it, you know, into the person's hand and actually have them somewhat. Uh, role playing the character that's mm. in the game, like that's a cool thing. That that is a real, that really is tying the gap with the new virtual reality world that we have now. With, um, well, generic gaming as we know it in a conventional well, sense. That's very true, and I agree. I mean, the fact that Pokemon went to um, a handheld uh, online game, which is basically what happened there. But what I was most intrigued about was it didn't have a whole lot to do with that did it now forgive my ignorance but my understanding was it was just a bunch of people catching different pokemon that gave you different values it was a really watered down version of pokemon um simply because i don't know how you could combine the actual pokemon game with the way it was laid out with yeah. having you as the person walking around so, so yeah it was only just people doing mundane tasks on a phone and it was only the fact that they were Pokemon that made it cool. Yeah, yeah. But it went berserk, didn't it? Oh, Absolutely yeah. They had um, berserk. all the landmarks in town and stuff like that all over the world, mind you. Um, you know, there could be 200 people walking around a field at night 
Mm. And, and they'd just be there because some rare Pokemon was there. I don't actually know how the game worked that well, but um, I've certainly learned a lot about it because it was crazy on the internet at the time. Well, but why did it go as quickly as it came? Well, people figured out the, how shallow it was. Okay. I so mean... You were only catching the little guys. Exactly right. And... Um, Probably only the people that really dedicated their life to it were the ones getting anywhere. And I think the disparity between the people, the casual player and the addict was probably too large. Mm. So no one could be competitive unless they were addicted to it. I don't know that, but mm. that's generally how those things work. Do you think that there's a, another place for a game like that? I mean, it doesn't seem to... I thought it would spawn a whole bunch of different uh, games in the genre and it doesn't seem to have done that. Well, yeah, technology's in a weird place. It's touching on some incredible things in terms of immersion and stuff like that. It's really touching on it. It's probably not quite there. Okay. But the, what about the, uh, the thing that amazed me in regard to Pokemon Go? And I thought it wasn't a bad thing, but it, it brought people of entirely different socioeconomic um, strata, um, black, white, green, didn't matter what colour you <laughs> Who's were. green? Well, there's greenies. You know, they're all over the joint, yeah. greenies. Um, it, it broke down any barriers socially because it didn't matter if you were a lawyer or a, a bum. Um, if you were, you were playing Pokemon uh, Go, you gathered together and probably interacted. Well, I think that's true um, in the world of video games in general. At least that's what they say, which makes sense. Um, a lot of misfits play video games and hang out together and it's it's sort of um well it's all encompassing mm, yeah and that's and i think that's a good thing i think that's a good thing yeah the fact that people were walking around in the streets i saw them here at in our little hamlet here at ocean grove where people were walking around yeah um and they seemed to be happy yeah. and, and no one was getting hurt and i just thought it was a actually quite a positive thing it's harmless fun harmless fun so why did, did why did the fogies not like it who didn't like it? Uh, people of my generation didn't. Not all, by any means, but there was certainly certainly some backlash in regard to, oh, you know, put your bloody electronics away and kick kick a footy. Well, I did bag it at the time because I'm a pathological con contrarian. Well, you are. Uh, <laughs> in fact, that should be probably the name of your memoir. Yeah. <laughs> so, but um, looking back on it, um. I guess, I guess the people that didn't understand what they were doing just see kids on a phone walking around, which and it, obviously they were likened to zombies. You know, you saw the memes. Yeah, I did see the memes. Well, look, that was that. I mean, if we could talk that, you could do a whole show on that, couldn't you? But um, probably moving on from there, um, in America we saw uh, transgender laws change, where people got all confused about whether what toilet a transgender person could go to. Yeah. And they were legislating state by state in different ways, reflecting the liberalism of the uh, of the West of America and and the hard-assed Bible Belt of the Deep South. Mm. Um, transgender and uh, LGBTQI issues were came to the fore in two thousand sixteen. Yeah, I think that particular issue. I'm not very learned in this area, to be honest, but. I'm certainly pro the movement. Well, um, it, it brought up the question. The conversation was had. I think it, it came about because of the Target scandal, didn't it? It was Target that changed the rule with who could use the toilets and that what brought it to light. And Could well be, yes. As with most things, once the internet gets onto these sort of things. 
Well, that conversation was had, and I don't know if we came to a conclusion, other than sensible people were saying the person wants to urinate. Mm. They don't want to attack your children or... Um, the whole the whole utility of the fact I needed a piss went out the door. Well, the fact that there were so many idiots so staunchly against it, um, transgender people, because of this, is probably a good thing because, you know, what they were, they're, they're talking nonsense. Mm. And having that many people arguing has a great deal of people learning about the issue and making the decision for themselves. Whereas, you know, I've obviously always been a big advocate for... Um, certainly gay rights and stuff like that. Mm. Um, and the bathroom thing is something I'd never thought of, but it's obviously a huge thing for someone. Mm. Well, the, what I found weird was that they people against the whole thing were suggesting that a transgender person wants to hang around toilets. Mm. And yeah, they've always been likened to some kind of sex criminals or yeah. something, which must be horrible. A counterculture yeah. that they're not. Yeah. So the basic premise of what the argument was wasn't right. I'm happy to listen to the argument if it's got some sense. Well, it's about completely it. skewed. They've got the wrong concept of what it is. They don't. They don't understand it. They so don't understand it. it, and yeah. it's fine to not understand it because I don't understand it. How well, could I? I have a general understanding of what the whole thing's about. But yeah, but I, you can't. You can't say you know what it must feel like no, to be a transgender person. Not at all. Must, it must be myriad things that I've not thought of. And that's of. why we've got to listen to what they say because that's that's the basis we've got at the moment. That's where they're living. The... Mm. And to shut them down once they've, once they've lived their entire life like this mm. and to shut them down based on a, a completely uh, malformed concept of what it yeah. is, is, is ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah. So that conversation was had. I don't think it's been fixed, but I think it also brought up the whole gender-neutral thing mm. Um, uh, that we had to, in fact, I can remember saying on Facebook that I thought four-year-olds deciding what their gender was, was to me ridiculous. And I had a conversation with a guy who I respect, who has a little bit to do with it. And he kind of turned me around that, you mm. know, if you see what I see, you would realize these mm. kids are fed income. They're not doing it. Mm. But this isn't a game to them. Yeah. I mean, when I was a four-year-old, I probably knew I was a boy. Well, you, and if I said I was a boy and you said, no, you're not, that would be weird. That's so the, I guess, it's what's the, same the thing, difference? It? Yeah, it's the same thing. So, I mean, but look, it just comes down to having a bit of bloody tolerance, doesn't it? Who cares? I mean, you can be what you want to be. Yeah, exactly. You don't bother exactly. me, I won't bother you. I don't care. You can be a friend of mine, you can just be another person. Yep. I don't care if you wear a dress or a pair of dacks. I can't understand people that can be bothered being upset about this shit. What's the issue? What's the issue? So we've come to the point of what's the issue? Mm. Is there anything you want to tell me? Because I've noticed a couple of nightgowns there in the uh, in the wardrobes. Perhaps <laughs> now's a good time to... Buzzfeed will be on here. <laughs> That's right. There's at least 100 people listening to this that will be quite shocked to hear that. Um, all right. Well, uh, other things that happened now, well, while, while, while we're on issues of gender and uh, sexuality, there was the nightclub shooting in Orlando where I think 50 people were uh, generally gay People were shot up by some fucking lunatic. Um, gender issues came up a lot in 2016. Big time. Big time. And people were hiding behind certain behaviours uh, to uh, the argument being at Orlando, the guy was supposed to have connections with terrorist groups, when more the fact was he was just, uh, I think he was gay himself and not happy about it. Mm. 
or he'd had a blue with the barman or something. It was something much more local and ridiculous. So uh, it did bring into the question of, of gay rights. It allowed gay people to have a voice. But what a horror to think that still it exists. That sort of thought that I'm going to go in a gay nightclub and I'm going to shoot gay people mm. because they're gay. The one place they can probably otherwise genuinely feel safe, you know. Exactly. And yeah. particularly in the case of, um, I was reading through the year where um, uh, after the uh, Hamilton guy got up and spoke to Pence in regard to being fair to us, to American people and that the Trump... The Trump uh, uh, administration needed to take into account gay people and not necessarily gay people but probably flamboyant um, theatre people and that has been he spoke and said that's been a place where gay people have felt safe for a long time uh, the theatre and its associated social norms has been an attractant for gay people because they feel safe there's a lot of them they are gathering there, and that's not their fault. They gather there because they feel safe. Um, they go to a, an Orlando nightclub because they feel safe. They've been getting bashed up since they were a little kid or some rednecks giving them a hard time, stuff like that. The thought that someone can go in there into that safe haven and, and attack gays was just, um, I don't know, beyond the pale. Mm. And it was a horrible thing that happened in 2016. Um, I didn't cope with it very well at all terrible business so let's move to happier times what else what happened happier this year spence anything in your life particularly you want to talk about well i mean um it's been a big year for us the leech in the leech household we've all got new jobs we've all got new that's right we've all got new jobs um we're all earning Mm. which isn't you know that's what you're supposed to do isn't it we're actually acting like a pretty normal bunch (laughs) aren't we yeah, well, it may appear that way. Well, yes. Well, don't they say that normal's the person that can... Uh, pretend pre- the best. Pretend best. But it has been a great year. Gussie's in his... Uh, f- just finishing his first year at the his welding apprenticeship and um, he doesn't love getting out of bed at five o'clock in the morning, but he gets up and he goes and he's loved there and he works hard. So um, that's been a big thing. He's found his niche in regard to uh, his professional approach. At 16, that's pretty that's pretty good. Yeah. I'm I'm snipping him for a quid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've, he walks in the door, I grab him, I say, give us a, you can't lend me a couple, yeah, can you? Tell me about it. And he can too. He's like Scrooge McDuck. Mm. He sits up the top on his bloody money bin. You noticed that? Well, I've noticed. I've noticed. But uh, yeah, he's done all right. And I'm very pleased for him. And uh, he's half tolerable. He could have a wash a bit more, don't you think? Well, water costs. Water costs. That's what he, he brings that up. Quite often, and yourself, you've uh, you've moved on in your career. Um, yep, I've um, well, I'm a fully fledged journo now. How does it feel to say that? It's weird. It's weird. It happened. Um, take us take us through how it sort of you broke into that that uh, that industry. Uh, well, well, I can't talk about that without bringing up the great Adam Davis. Yep, who's a longtime friend of yours. Through journalism and yes, a good man. Um, you introduced me to him, and he he taught me the ropes. He was a mentor to me. Um, uh, working with him, uh, he was great. He was more than happy to help. You know, he, he really did teach me what I know at that time because we were corresponding so regularly. Uh, working for his um, his website or his his old website, I guess it's still around actually. Um. And I, I wrote for free for a year or so. Well, can I just say, we'll just put in a round of applause there for Adam and his efforts. Yeah. 
Big time. Thank you, folks. Can you everybody get together? <laughs> Thank you. All right, calm down. Settle down. Get back to the fridge. <laughs> uh, yes, Adam was a great... Uh, uh, he's a good man and he gave mm. you an opportunity. But what I was pleased to see, Spence, as a father, was that you applied yourself to it because it you weren't really making any money. Well, yeah. It's, I mean, it's real lucky that it um, worked out that way. I pretty much decided on a whim that I was serious about becoming a motoring journalist. It's always something I'd like the idea of, but it always seems so out of reach. Yep. You know what I mean? I, I had the idea of going to uni for four years and, you know... Defer, we never would have know. been able I mean, to afford it. Like, I just didn't think it possible. Mm. And especially at the time, I was 17, I was a pretty loopy kid. And, you know, it was actually really therapeutic yep. to have something to really try yep. and really care about. And I mean, even though I was working for free, seeing something on a website that you made, mm. it was it was awesome every time. Mm. And it still is, actually. Mm. It's in paper now, but mm. it, the feeling... Well, it's both, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, the writing sucks. I love writing, but we all know when you're writing, it sucks. Mm. And But the feeling of click and send and then seeing it become something mm. and people reacting to it as they do negatively or positively... Is it's so awesome, really? So, what what are the uh, outlets that we can read your wonderful prose? Oh, Unique Cars magazine. Um, mm. Any of the last six or seven issues, you'll see me. Mm. Um, web, web. Well, Australian Road Rider magazine's website and in print, actually. Um, January issue out now. Thank you. you know? <laughs> One, three, three. In all good news agents. In all, and a couple of crookies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and I think you should mention motoring.com.au who gave yeah, you absolutely a, car sales. A, car sales gave that you a lot, was, big chance. In the chance. early days, they gave me my first um, paid chance. Matty Brogan and yep. Mike Sinclair, good oh, guys. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Matty in particular was a, a great mentor and was in your corner. Yeah, yeah, one of the best. So we should uh, we should mention Matty and uh, you sort of. You did, if I'm going to mention them, there's there's heaps. There's about ten guys that have really really looked after me. When you know, why would you look after? it? A 19-year-old kid in uh, this caper, I get it. You know, there's a hundred of me. Yeah, well, the good thing there is that you, uh, they recognise something in you um, and uh, you uh, ran with it. So, you know, it's a long, ro- long way to go and you never stop learning. Um, I've tried to keep my big bib out of your career as much as I possibly can, uh, which hasn't been easy at times, but um, it's your thing, you know. It's not, it's not my thing, it's your thing. We happen to do the same thing, but... You're doing it differently, and uh, I'm determined to try and keep my bib out of there as much as I can. Well, it ain't no coincidence. It ain't no coincidence, mm. but that's right. But, uh, you know, I agree with that. And, you know, people talk about nepotism and all that sort of thing. Well, if you can help your son and, or daughter in any possible way and you don't, you're a cockhead. Uh, but at the same time, it isn't you. You let them, you give them a hand, and then you get out of there. I just realised I went through that whole thing without mentioning Guy Allen. Guy Allen. Probably the greatest bloke on the planet. Biggest gentleman uh, I ever yeah, met. Biggest um, uh, physically too, because he's <laughs> about 195 kilos. Yeah. Lucky he's not angry, isn't it? He's got a busser, so that carts him around. Yeah, that carts him around, all right? Gets him about. Power to weight ratio still down a little bit, but no, a good, yeah, a very he's good the man. Editor of unique cars and and. Um, not a bad word to say. No, I don't have a bad word to say no, there. I won't hear a bad word about guy. Um, all right. Well, that's your career, uh, and I've picked up the uh, position of Australian Road Rider editor. Um, despite the fact having no talent and um, unlikely to uh, achieve much in my life, uh, somehow that fell in my lap. Charity. Charity. Yeah. Well, I told you, you, what did I tell you a doyen is? 
Sorry? A doyen. <laughs> a doyen is... I was always told by a great journo years ago, and I think I've even told this on the podcast. Fuck, I've done six podcasts and I'm repeating myself. But yeah. um, Repeating myself. And uh, a doyen is an old bastard we let hang around. He's been around that long that you can't piss him off, you know? And I'm, I'm sort of getting to that area. They feel a bit sorry for him and they chuck a bit off the table every now and then. But I am very happy to be back in bikes, having gone into cars. I'm very happy not to be working, you know, this job, that job, freelance, because you wait to get paid and it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. I work with Universal Magazines, who pays me once a month and the right amount, and that's, I like that. Yeah. Um, print's challenged and it's tough, um, but, you know, it's, uh, it's a really nice magazine on really good stock and all that sort of stuff, and that suits me fine. So I'm happy too. I've never seen you happier before, or at least more content with the way, with your work. I mean, um, you really are given the free reign that you deserve. Thank you. Because, yeah, you've, I mean, you've proven yourself. Well, I, I mean, mean, if you want to, you want to list publications that you're, uh, you're published in, you know, I mean, we don't have enough time, but, um, you know, you've proven who you are as a journalist, your scores on the board, basically. Thank so you. it's pretty cool that now you could, you've been given the trust. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. I suppose if you hang around for long enough and, you know, you eventually come up with a body of work. Yeah. I mean, it's got to happen. So it's no, uh, you know, I'm not uh, splitting the atom, but I have been doing it for a long time. I do care a lot about it. So hopefully, uh, you know, it's it's put bread in the table. It's brought us up. It's paid for our house. Um, nearly. Fuck. <laughs> it's on the way to paying for our house. Um, so, you know, journalism's been good to me and I hope to do it till I die. Uh, well, actually, you know. I'd like to give it the ass at some point and lay on a beach, but yeah. me and Millie have got plans of going around Australia at well, some point. Well, you find a way to lay around. What, what are you saying? Oh. <laughs> Wait, what, How many sleeps what, have you had today, Dad? Well, look, sleep's important when you, you know... You've got to have your beauty sleep. And, and Well, that clearly. And it's an, an active mind needs to switch. I need to defrag because I'm, I operate at such high levels. True, you know? true, yeah. I mean, those Dr. Phil episodes, you know, they're pretty complex I, and you need to like process to, it. I do like Dr. What are you thinking? I do like Dr. Phil. And how's that working for you? <laughs> what are you thinking? Yeah, well, it's been, well the thing Spence uh, alludes to is that we're probably both a bit hopeless at uh, getting going. We're both the pro- procrastinators from hell. Yeah. And uh, while I don't know whether that's nature or nurture, but we do get the job done and we do hit deadline generally. Matty Brogan's there going, fuck yeah. <laughs> I can see him going, no, I've got a story for you. But uh, I've got better at that because when you've got a magazine, it's uh, going to the press in Singapore, you, you do hit your deadlines. But we both muck around and Dr. Phil, and I don't think, uh, my window's never been so clean. Mm. I think to myself, I'll write that story and I better clean those windows and re- <laughs> repoint the roof. Yeah. So the house is in reasonable nick. But uh, I think from what I read and hear, that's a... That's a journal thing. It's a writer thing. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone says it. Everyone says I, it. I've never missed a deadline like you. But <laughs> we, we can cut that out, can't we? You know, my, my boss at Universal might have a listen to this, Benson. Well, you've come good. I have. I've come. Thanks, mate. Don't suck back now. The danger's done. The damage <laughs> is done. Um, you're quite right. But uh, I don't think I've missed that many deadlines. No, no, no. I've hit more than I've missed. I'm more likely to start the work at 11 p.m. and then I'll do the work. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you you get the work <laughs> and then I see you come in and out of that door and he says, shut up, I'm working. And you go in there and uh, some YouTube video. 
some godforsaken six-cylinder GTR in some prefecture in Japan doing wheelies. Oh, yeah, there's not many six-cylinder GTRs, is there, Dad? No. (laughs) (laughs) See? Clever. Yeah, so uh, that's us professionally. We've done very well. Um, I think that uh, we can only go upwards from there. What else happened this year? Oh, now, let's talk about... I'm not going to go through all this listing, every one of them, but we did seem to lose a lot of uh, musical icons. And just recently, George Michael, mm. only yesterday. Now, I'm not a George Michael fan, but George Michael is a famous and uh, influential musician. Um, has it happened more this year, or is it because we know about it more, or is it because uh, people of that ilk are now getting to an age where they'll die? What's the reason it's we've all lost... all of those things. We lost Bowie? yeah. I mean, we like, oh, God, hey, you can't go through them. Or uh, Leonard Cohen recently. I know there's there's so many of them. Um, what do you feel about the people that uh, uh, completely take it on? You know, they get they are clearly heartbroken people. That, you know, why, why do people get so passionately upset when we lose an icon like that? Well, it's hard for me to grasp with these people, but I mean, it's because they, they spoke for a generation. They're not just... They're not just big in who they in their fame. Mm. They are also important figures. Um, David Bowie, particularly, for a certain group of people who really got him. Um, mm. And I think probably the same thing might will happen to me once I'm old enough. So my heroes are old enough to to die. Mm. And I, I could probably feel the same way about a couple of artists that really were saying the right things at the right time in my life. So they represent more than just the. Just, it's not just the fame, you know. If Britney Spears dies, I don't think they'll have the same. Uh, well, I, th- I think if Britney Spears dies, a lot of people dies, would be really upset. I'm hundreds of thousands, yeah, I would think. Yeah, I guess. I mean, she spoke. Maybe for, it's a bad. Yeah, example, I know. But I know what you mean. It's not just the fame. It's it. They were. They had a niche, mm. and um, they really they created it. Mm. Especially people like Bowie, who once again blurred the lines of gender. Mm. At a time when it was really dangerous to do so. Mm. In the 70s, very dangerous to look at all androgynous or remotely gay, overtly gay. Um, So, yes, I think he was socially and culturally influential. Leonard Cohen, similar. Um, These people kind of represent the soundtrack of your life, don't they? Um, Well, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And also with David Bowie, it was a particularly big deal because... Um, I mean, what a classy, absolute gentleman he became. Mm. You were saying that the other yeah, night. I yeah, I was saying that. He really came into his own as a person. Mm. Um, and the way he so gracefully passed, so quietly mm. and digna... Dignified. Good thing I'm not a writer. No. Um, yeah, he yeah, did. It was, and did he it was still style. making music, which is incredible. Well, he made that Black Star right mm. up till the very finish. Now, he knew he was going, yet he still wanted to leave a legitimate legacy. Um, I, I find that incredible because I think if I was popping off, I'd be laying on a beach in France. Mm. But um, no, he kept working even when it was... Um, well, it's, not as if, it's not as if he was just stronger than the disease. You could see he was hurting. Mm. But obviously, the art mattered more. Yeah. Which I think is incredible. And keeping it dark, like no big song and dance. Um, people knew he was ill. The, the people that needed to know knew. But there was no like daily update on no. on David Bowie's health. No. And when he was going, well, the last couple of weeks, they must have known he's not going to be long now. 
Um, yet that... Well, there must have been a lot of people that knew he was seriously ill at least a year out. Yeah. You can't hide it from everyone, but I mean, the circle he was in were obviously... Pretty tight. Yeah, pretty tight. So he was a huge loss. Massive loss. Yep. Um, now, this is going to continue to happen, of course. All, a lot of that, that 70s mob and 60s mob, they're all getting up to my age, older than me, 70. Look, you know, I dare not mention the Stones because I couldn't stand the thought of any of them going, but, you know, what's Mick, 75 now or something? Well, I heard an interview with Keith the other day. He sounds, he sounds fine. He, he sounds just like he ever did. I mean, you can't understand a word he says, but, you know, I mean, could you for the last 30 years? Well, you pick through them and there's nuggets of gold there. Um, yeah. I don't think Keith takes it as seriously as everybody else does. Mm. Um, but we will have a rush of people dying, and that's what we're seeing now. Mm. Oh, you think you think that's what it is? Well, it's just they're getting to the age. You, you know, you don't live forever, mm. particularly people out of the sixties and seventies. They weren't exactly. Gin- no, there is what we're forgetting as well is that um, in the seventies, that's when I mean the amount of celebrities shot up like fourfold. Mm. So uh, there weren't many a huge amount of celebrities during the war. There wasn't room for it. No. But then once everything sort of settled down slightly, I guess then there were there were music stars, there were rock stars. They weren't in the gym every morning, there that's were movies, for sure. A lot of movies being made. So that, I guess the amount of celebrities there, I mean, yeah. to get technical. Well, it's only going to get worse, is well, my view. Well, I guess. Um, when people die, it sucks when they die young. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. It sucks when they die young. You're right. I mean, it's the natural flow of things that people put their cue in the rack. Yeah, yeah. It? And... Uh, I don't see anything particularly wrong with it. I mean, how else would you have it? But It's a pretty good system. It's a reasonable system. Mm. We'd be pretty crowded without it. Fucking earth. And I'll tell you what. It's getting pretty tight. Well, it's getting pretty tight now. Mm. Global warming. There's the elephant in the room. <laughs> eh? Global warming. If I have another argument on Facebook if someone says it's fucking cold this morning, who's talking about global warming, I'll shoot myself. Um, You've, you said that to me, but the change in temperature is directly affected by global warming, Dad. The, the change in temperature over long periods of time coupled with climatic events, it's not just how hot is it today. Well, it is because when you have record temperatures for three years in a row. Yes, alongside a lot of other things, current changes, wind changes, lots and lots of ice flow changes. Well, it's, obviously, I'm not a physicist. Well, I, I am. Yeah, well, you are, so I, I am a physicist. Up. You know, like, I know everything. But you have... Very big figures telling you that it is directly affected by either, climate change. Either way, you... it's true. It's happening. Oh, it's yeah, it's true. Yeah, of course. And we've, it's true. now we've got a uh, president in the United States who suggests that, <laughs> alongside grab him on the pussy and uh, a couple of other little faux pas he made. Oh, you really can't deal with that. Grab him on the pussy. I'm not happy with the grab him on the pussy. I'm not happy with it. Mm. Mainly because it's on is the word I can't cope with. Uh, yeah, I know. That's it's not an on situation. It's not an is on it? situation. Anyway, look, we've covered this off. In around, maybe. Amongst. <laughs> during. Yeah. Over, under, sans, without. I don't mind. Whatever whatever preposition, word, um, pronoun, whatever you want to use, mm. I'm fu- I'm good. On, I'm uncomfortable with. But uh, he worries me, the big buff head. Uh, I don't think there's a lot going. Uh, right for them over there in the land of the free do you mm. see that's you and i differ really slightly on this mm. with um with donald trump mm. um hello he's a supporter <sighs> yes didn't expect that <laughs> you get um, surprises in these podcasts absolutely i'm not a supporter he's a fucking idiot on all four counts yes um counts 
Yes. But my issue with the whole thing, or my stance at least, is that I don't subscribe to the idea of the lesser of two evils. Mm. I don't. I don't like that. It, it goes against every fibre of my being to just uh, the greater good thing. Yeah. Um, I don't support Hillary as a person. I don't trust her. And Donald Trump next is unbelievable. I can't even believe he exists. Mm. It's like, it's a joke. Mm. But I, I, I think if you vote for somebody, then you're responsible for whatever they do. I mean, you chose it. You mm. chose to play the game. And as long as we play the game, it'll keep happening. What if the 51% of people that didn't choose it have got to put up with it? They don't know that. Um, sorry? Well, the... She she won the popular vote, so more than half of the people that voted voted. Oh, I'm not for happy her. Donald won. No, no, I'm not saying yeah. that, but I'm saying you take responsibility. So the people that didn't vote for him, they got to take responsibility for him. Oh, too. yeah, that's true. Yeah, and um, I th- and a lot of people who voted for Donald Trump uh, uh, only did because they're reacting to how much they despise Hillary and wh- whether that's a sexist thing or what. It, I don't think it matters. Do you think they were ready for a female prime minister? Uh, sorry, president, dickhead. Um. Yeah, probably. Mm. A lot of smart Americans. I mean, we, we, feel, it's easy to be, I mean, kind of racist towards Americans in the way. That, that now that brings up something else because it seems like it's all right to be racist there. Yeah, Americans. it is. Yeah, it's a, who did that bit? M- might have been Louis C.K. or something. No, might have. Um, the black guy speaks fast. Anyway, he did a bit on um, the way <laughs> white trash is the only. Um, derogatory term that encapsulates a whole group of a whole subgroup that isn't racist at all. I mean, you could say white trash. Yeah, that's not a racist. Basically, thing to say, it's having it? a go at poor white people. Yeah, and it's fine. You can say it all you like. Well, they they're knobheads. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> they are knobheads. Now you're quite right, and and uh, I don't know how we do it because. You know, I listen to a lot of podcasts and stuff, and all three of us listen to wise Americans. This theory that Americans haven't got a sense of humour or don't get irony, it's complete rubbish. Yeah. Absolute rubbish. They are as funny as whips. They're as dumb as Mm. dog shit. They're the same as everybody. They're a mix of people. I mean, you've only got to go up the bush here for what? I'll get in trouble here because I think we we broadcast out into the Mm. rural and regional. Oh, Australia has so many fuckwits. Regional areas. (laughs) Uh, yes, we have a few oh, of them. We can do fuck with better than just about anyone. We can open the batting. Yeah. We're certainly in the grand final. But, uh, yeah, to, to just suggest that the Americans are complete idiots is mm. is simplistic and incorrect. And they're a product of a really unnatural environment as well in the way they're... What, they're... capitalism or...? <sighs> what, what do you mean by that? The country is so heavy on... Um, well, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's leading the world in... In its pop culture and stuff like that, in in its, uh, um, in the way that everything's big, everything's first. Yeah. Um, it's kind of it's strange. It's not like any other country. No. Although a lot of countries try and be like America, and especially Australia, actually. Yeah, yeah, and um, then they were the leaders. I of the don't world. know. I don't know. It's just you. I think they are a product of their environment. And that's why we see the idiosyncrasies. Hmm. But they had a right. I think the average guy over there had a right to say, I've had enough. And that's what happened. That's what that's yeah. what happened. There were a lot of libertarians that voted for Trump. Hmm. There was a lot of people that couldn't stand Hillary. A lot of people, yeah, they said, fuck you, Hillary, I'll vote for this clown. Yeah. And then, But, but once everyone forgets about the whole thing, I mean, then, then they're stuck with an idiot president. Well, it'll be a one-term president. He won't get two terms. Yeah, um, well, you said he wouldn't even get in. 
Well, I did. I was completely wrong. Yeah. I admit that. And uh, me and most of the planet. Well, um, well, I was trusting the math. You and 49% of the planet? Well, 49% of the Americans. Mm. Anyway, the point remains. Uh, he'll probably get one term, I reckon, if he survives it. Mm. If he survives it. He doesn't want And so obviously Hillary can't run then. It'll be someone else. Oh, I don't know how that Jesus, works. Jesus, they'd be banishing her to the... Yeah. The dark. How does that work, though? Well, they'll elect... They'll go through their primary system again yeah. and they'll they'll elect another person. Um, I think they'll probably... So there's not someone on standby? No, not at, no one's out of the ruck yeah. yet. They'll do that later on. And, and my feeling is that they'll go for someone very safe. Mm. Someone very Democrat. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, some uh, Bernie, we love Bernie, but Bernie would have been too left. Yeah, got too soft in the end as well. Well, you know, they couldn't elect, they couldn't elect an old lefty. Mm. Um, even while well, the Democrats made sure that didn't happen. They just didn't put him in there. He didn't get a chance to have a go. Yeah. So I think they'll go safely and you'll probably see uh, on a Democrat next time round. But um, it's all been shaken on its head. Um, it, polls no longer work. And I put that down to the online community that we now, the connectedness that people uh, enjoy in regard to uh, the World Wide Web and its many intricacies. Uh, that has united people and changed the face of politics. People no longer uh, have their opinion stop at the front fence. They have community and they have groups and they talk. And That's right. And they're educated. Their web educates people. So I think it's nothing but positive. And it's shaken them to their boots. The the established situation in regard to most democracies, in quotes, uh, is completely turned on its head. The paradigm doesn't exist anymore. And I think that's great. It means that you young younger people are having a say. Although I, want, yeah. I, I wonder what's next. Um, I wonder how your group will lead. Um, your Who's my group? Um... Uh, Gen Y. Oh, yeah. Is it Gen Y? Gen, yeah, oh, Gen Y? Know. No, people from your age group. Yeah. I'm not trying to classify you. Uh, but I like I, a lot of the way um, our age group's been heard now. That's cool. Yeah. And that you can thank the internet for that. Yep. And we do a lot of stupid things, but so did your mob. Oh, we did a lot of and stupid think, things, but we didn't get seen. Yeah, I mean... You can't put an old head on young shoulders and that'll always be the case, but um, we got a lot of good points to make, clearly. Yes, we have. Uh, now having you a have. pretty huge effect on the state of affairs. Well, at this stage now, my age group, or just under my age group, is leading the world. We're, we're the age group that leads. Now, we're, we're, we'll be old tossers and thrown to the wolves of aged care and forgotten pissing our pants in the corner of a, um, you know, an old carpeted recreation room. That's what we'll, we'll end up doing. But your people, you, will, your generation will lead. You will be the leaders of the world. Now, how do you think your generation will lead, given that if they skin their knee, they're staying home from work? Hard to say, but it'll certainly be a big factor. I think things will get tighter. I think, um, I think what we're seeing now... Okay, for instance, it's my area, so I'll use it as an example. With how ridiculous the road rules are getting now, I think that's what we'll start seeing more of, the acceptance of legislation mm. and, and the, fear of, um, the fear of the law. I think that's one of the things that I'm, I most resent about the current, um, our current age. 
there's a lot of great things I can say, and I'm not as anti-internet as perhaps you are. I'm not anti in its, pay, effe- in its pay, effects. Paying my I mean, bills, not in the actual, the actual thing, but I mean in its effects. Yes. I mean, people are saying what they want to say now, whether it's right or wrong. At least they can say it. Yep, That's cool. I'd agree. What I a real issue I think at the moment is how easily we bend over for for the rules mm. and. Um, we, I don't like that people don't apply any thought or any reason to whether something's right or wrong when it's a law. The law is, if you break the law, you're bad. If you abide by the law, you're good. Yeah. That's a problem. Yep. There's no gray. Mm. People won't oppose these things anymore. Mm. It must be, uh, it must be a little bit difficult for your generation. I could have said that in 25 words or less. Well, yeah, we need, we, need to, <laughs> we need to soak up a bit of time on these podcast things. People are sitting there going, Christ, what's he on about? Uh, further to that, I would suggest that it's been a lot tougher on your gen in certain ways. And one of those is that um, surveillance. You know, when we were young, we did stupid shit. Um, that's what you do when you're young and you learn by it and it's fun. You have a shitload of fun. Well, there was no CC cameras. Your parents didn't give a shit. They were too busy, you know, wearing flares and drinking piss at barbecues. Mm. They didn't give a shit what you were doing. So we had no surveillance. Yeah. You, you had to be seen doing the thing to have said you did it. High-vis generation. Oh, it's terrible. I mean, the fact that, you know, if you happen to, you know, slip up now, there'll be 20 videos on Facebook it's that insane. night. It's insane. It's so much pressure. It's insane. If they had had that, you know, we used to jump between the flats at Willie. That's a 12-foot jump. You know, 20, uh, 12 stories down, sorry. Eight-foot jump, 12 stories down. Well, when you're in town, Craziness. when you're in town um, in Melbourne, for instance, I, you probably can't go anywhere almost without being on camera in some, at well, least... 133 cameras in 200 metres in yeah. Melbourne. So, I mean, You, you can't do it. That sucks. I mean, you can't even have a piss against the wall. Mm. Uh, I think it's terrible. I feel cloistered by it, and I feel like it's 1984. I really don't well, like it's it. It's lucky you live out in the bush. Well, that's why. Yeah. Um, that's why we live sort of in the bush, because I can't stand it anymore. I'm, you know, the worst thing that can possibly happen is you get to my age and you become the bloke that sits there going, oh, in my day, in my day. I hate that, and I never wanted to be that bloke, but fuck, it's hard. I've got to work hard at not being an old grouch. Um, not doing too well um, because it was just better you know it was fucking better we had more fun anyway what are you saying to me can we take a break now I'm can we take a, a break so now. bad I need to piss see? and so like I've just didn't give a shit about it I said because I'm just focusing on not pissing right I go on so. piss off yeah. Okay, that's the second longest piss of all time. And Spencer's rejoined us, which is kind of him. Very professional. Um, now, well, I didn't think you were going to leave that in. Well, I, <laughs> it's only because I'm a shit editor that I'm leaving it yeah, in. Yeah, right. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, now, you and I share a, uh, a great proclivity. Oh, Jesus. There's a Peroni going. Proclivity towards cars and motorcycles. We do share that. Uh, we're both very interested in it. And... Uh, You've just recently bought yourself a motorcycle, I noticed. Saw it in the shed there. Yeah, I rejoined the, the cult. Uh, and thank God I'd made that decision. Honestly, I, I, I'd forgotten what an absolute 
thrill it is in every sense of the word. Mm. Honestly, like, and it's so cliche, but that free feeling of, you know, just being on your own, the wind, at, it's, it's the best thing. And I'm preaching to the choir probably with your crowd, but, you know, if anyone doesn't have a motorcycle, get one. Mm. It is a thing, isn't it? Yep. It is a thing. Mm. Particularly, I think it, it, uh, it, it draws a certain type of person. Um, most motorcyclists that are serious about it, reasonable people, I've found. Um, Usually a little reserved. Yeah, introverted. Yeah. Um, used to rolling with the punches and if, some, if things happen, they're good at dealing with it because when you're riding a motorbike, you'll get stuck on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere one day. Yeah, and um, you're on your own. You're on your own and you'll cope. There'll be a, a coping mechanism. You'll go and knock on someone's door or something. I find that they're very uh, resilient people. Um and relatively fearless as well because we're always talking about how uh, motorcycles are a safe thing and there's nothing wrong with it but there is an element of danger with no doubt motorcycling that isn't there with cars which is fine no there's nothing wrong with a bit of danger mm. when it's calculated well a lot of people would suggest them we're mad risk takers mm. and that you know we don't give a shit about our mortality well nothing could be further from the truth i mean i don't want to die no I'm not looking forward to it. There's a rough chance it'll happen. But it's nice to feel where it is every now and then. It's nice to feel where it is every now and then. It's nice to push the envelope a yeah. bit. It's nice to be outside the norm. I feel like motorcyclists buck the system a bit. Mm. Because, I mean, if they said to you now you're going to strap a, an engine between your legs and two, two wheels and they've just invented it, they'd never... <laughs> yeah, petrol tank and fire. Well, would they allow that? <laughs> I mean, they, you, as I said, you, you're wearing a helmet to buy fruit these a days. A horse with a grenade in the middle. Yeah. So I'm very happy that you've joined the throng. I'm also terrified mm. because I've made, I've ne- you know nearly killed myself so many times. Um, basically, nearly every time based around me being a dickhead. So I just don't need you to be a dickhead, which is going to be well. Hard. I'm a dickhead. Well, you are a dickhead. Isn't but it? if there's any that. compliment I'll pay myself, it's that I've always I've always been big on concentrating when I drive and ride on the road mm. because I don't know it doesn't feel right not to concentrate. Mm. I'm always in the moment. And I think that's probably partly that I, the cars I drive require that kind of attention. I mean, my car's 10 cent- or 95 centimetres off the road, mm. officer. Yes. 100 cent- <laughs> 95 millimetres. <laughs> 101. 101, that's right. Yeah. And uh, what do you hope to achieve with your motorcycling? What, where do you want to go with that? I want to travel um, because that was a big thing I was missing with my car. It could blow up at any moment. It's done almost 300,000 Ks and it's you a reliable a, car. But You had a lot of fun with that car. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's still going. And, um, but with a motorcycle, the petrol is costs nothing, as you know, and it's, you know, it's made to travel. Yep. That's why I bought a motorcycle that's pretty, pretty conservative, actually. Mm. It's um, not a peaky sports bike or anything like that. Um, Suzuki GS500. Yeah, yeah. Air-cooled parallel twin, nothing on it, basically. Uh, it's the same as it has been for 25 years or something. Now, you rode motocross a lot as a young bloke, um, but I think what reignited your desire to ride a motorcycle, uh, you know, as a traveller was uh, our trip to Vietnam. Yeah, absolutely. Tell me about that. Well, um, uh, my dad and my brother with a whole bunch, a whole crew, dad's friends, our friends, Went to Vietnam and travelled on motorcycles for 10 days, I think, through the north. 
um, get very rural and pretty raw. I mean, we were on we were on motorcycles in the middle of nowhere all day, mm. which was cool. And it was a sensory overload basically for all of us, I think, because mm. Dad's travelled a lot with work and just of his own accord, but uh, never to a third world country like that. So no. he was seeing a lot of things that he hadn't seen, which was good for all of us because we could share it together a little bit. And I mean, I mean, anyone that's travelled knows what I'm talking about, but uh, that. The sense you get from it is it can be life changing, and especially at the time that it was for me, I was a bit lost, yes. you know, crazy teenager, and it was it really switched me. It taught me that there's more going on. Yeah, it was nice to see people with way less stuff, happier, happier. Yeah, that was an eye opener. I know Gus rode on the back with me. You rode yourself, but I hear that you may have uh, fallen off. Well, you know, the mists of time, it's, it's <laughs> these things. I mean, Chinese whispers and, uh, well, I don't really, I don't call it falling off. The what, first or the second time? Well, neither of them really. But what, what I, I, my crash was, crashes were economical. They were in the one spot. <laughs> I thought, yeah. well, if you're going to crash, you may as well crash twice. Well, you know that corner now. I know that corner. I know the crash on it. Yeah. Uh, we, I... Look, I call it a topple. It was pretty much the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. It was pretty funny. And one of the locals who uh, rode up on a scooter thought it was the funniest thing he'd seen. He laughed so much, I thought he was going to fucking pass out. (laughs) One of the little locals with a cow on the back of his 90cc scooter pulled up and just pointed at me and laughed. I said, you're not being a very big help, if you don't mind. But it was funny. And uh, it was a, I called it a cropple. It's between a crash and a topple. Although Brian Ricks and uh, yourself and Grant Roth and uh, numerous other Andy Straps. Was Andy Straps there? No. See, he would have laughed if he was. Uh, they thought it was pretty funny. But, yeah, I had a little, oh, just a little moment there in the bush and Gus tipped him into the trees a couple of times. <laughs> Not my fault. Gus, it was Gus's fault. He was leaning the wrong well, way. Well, that's why you wear proper motorcycling safety equipment. Always wear... Uh, this has been achieved by paid professionals on a closed road. But yeah, look, it was fabulous. You had to work at it. Um, I hit a dog. There were chickens. There were bison. You know, you never knew what was going to come around the corner. Um, The Vietnamese people looked after us like we were gold. I don't know why, but they're the just kindest people. Uh, We ate well. We drank well. Um, and it was, look, I'd love to go and do it again, wouldn't you? I will. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, you met you met a couple of travellers, a couple of guys on scooters, didn't you, when you were, we were having a lunch somewhere in the back blocks of northern Vietnam? Well, it's, I mean, it's all thanks to, I mean, the currency conversion makes things pretty easy over there. You can go over and buy a bike and spend the day on it for, I mean, the cost of a big night out, basically. Yeah. Well, you can get one for a week for about 200 bucks. Well, there was one for sale for 100 bucks. It was a... A rip-off of a C90, I think. Yeah. Um, $100 buys you a motorcycle, that's fine. And you can go and stay with locals. They're happy to have you. Mm. You put a bit of food on their table, uh, behave yourself, and you can go anywhere up there Yeah. within reason. I didn't see any crime. I didn't see uh, any unhappiness. I certainly didn't see any road rage. And what? How, explain the traffic in Hanoi. There aren't the words. <laughs> there aren't the words. Maybe the words Ernest could have exist. a better crack at that, but I'm not equipped. It's just amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Yet it still works. Yeah. Somehow it works, although they do kill 10,000 on the road a year there. So 
maybe it's not working that well. Well, whatever. Yeah, whatever. But I love the way they don't give a shit and they live their lives. They yeah. live their lives. Exactly right, yeah. And they, uh, Kindness is just uh, how they live. And we, we don't deserve it, but we get it. So that was, uh, I know that that was very cathartic towards your motorcycling and uh, um, perhaps if you had had a licence would have been a bit better. But oh yeah, time. by the way, I didn't bring it up, but your no, what, old what? friend uh, Grant, Grant, who yes. was ripping on you for pranging, he may have chopped it when him and I went on a bit what? of a dirt track. What happened? Can you, he kept that, what happened? Please tell me. Well, we were in the middle of buttfuck nowhere and our, our um, local uh, guide, tour guide, said, you know, there's a bit of a slightly more advanced track that we can take if you like. Would anyone like to go and do it? Slightly and, more advanced. And the rest of the mob can go the other way and we'll meet up in the middle at some point. And why, so, did, why did Grant put his hand up for this? Because I did, I think. Oh, you know, sure. Can't have yeah. the kid doing it. Don't want the kid doing it. He was, right. you know, teaching me a lesson or yes, something. Yes, you know. need a lesson. Now, I wasn't... <laughs> was it no... Uh, by no means a seasoned veteran, but I could I can handle myself on the dirt a, a, all right. You know, yes, I've, you can. You've done ride a fair the, bit of seat time. You ride dirt well. And I'm a cocky little shit too, so... It's a bit of that. And um, But basically, this slightly more advanced track was... a. It was a cliff. (laughs) It was. And so I've done the thing like, so (laughs) the tour guy basically wheelied down the thing. Of course, he's ridden a bit. He stopped at the bottom, but he like, he had a look on his eye like, "Mm, so I don't know about this. Because he was a bit nervous as well. He did it because it was, it was clay and it was wet. And it was raining. No grip. And we had bald, crappy tyres on an old XR250 with shot suspension and no brakes. <laughs> what could go wrong? Yeah. Um, and we just had like three tigers. <laughs> so, I mean, it was a bit of a recipe for disaster. But There's Not too many .05 buses. I just, it was one of those ones where you just got to gotta go down the hill. What are you going to do? Yeah. We'd made the decision. We'll you go live there. And... I started off going down. I go, this is all right. Well, I'll get down it. So then it was within a meter. It was front wheel locked up, rear wheel locked up, both feet on the ground sliding like Fred Flintstoning to get it stopped down this hill. <laughs> and I basically did that for about 20 meters in complete no control. Just uh, it was a crash. It was a stood up crash, I guess. Right, but I got okay. down it. Yes. And Grant's like, oh, no, I'll see. Uh, I'll take it from the back, he Did said. Did he stand you know, up like Gaston Rayer at uh, He locked the front guy. brakes up like before it even started and just mm. sort of slid down on his face like a scorpion. <laughs> <laughs> what was more impressive was how he played it off, though. He's, you know, he's checking, about... the, he's checking the, the, <laughs> the brake pads. Mm. Uh, bike <laughs> it's as if it was the bike. Do you know he never told me about that? He, really? No, it didn't seem to come up over dinner mm. or... Although he, t- he spoke about We didn't about get mine. back up and do the same crash again, so I guess he's probably up on See, you. See, that's kind of ruined it a bit, hasn't it? Yeah. But, uh, no. Anyway, that's that. No, uh, I thought I'd mention that. Well, you know, don't move away from You've got to provide mean, all the facts. Well, you know, a forensic examination is always better than uh, an apocryphal one. Well, look, uh, we move into 17 and Happy New Year coming up in three or four days. and Well, you know, every reason to be um, quite optimistic. Uh, what are you looking forward to? What would you like to see happen? World peace? <laughs> yeah, well, that'd be, sure. That, yeah, that'd be your pick. Out of yeah, world on. peace. Let's go with that. Okay, world peace. Trump will make it happen. All right, he Trump, Trump all the way. Yep. All right. Look, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you, Spencer, for once, because generally, I hope no one takes that quote out of context. Well, I'm going to highlight <laughs> it. That's going to we'll move that up the front. 
Um, it's uh, been a pleasure being your father, but, um, you know, don't overdo it. It's getting a bit monotonous. Uh, lovely to have you with us. And so the review of 2016, we talked about three things. Most of them had nothing to do with the world. Well, you know, who gives a shit, really? Mm. I mean, it's Eric a, enjoyed it. Eric did enjoy it, and uh, he'll be back next week. Um, thanks for being my son, because I'm pretty proud of you and your brother as well. Uh, we move into 2017 with great optimism and fire. Uh, Millie's with us. We've got our little house in Ocean Grove. You're employed. I'm employed. Um, neither of us can get a girlfriend, but that's probably doesn't really matter that much, does it? It's not bothering me that much. No, I guess not. No. <laughs> Hadn't thought about it till now. Now I go home and cry. <laughs> go in your room and kill yourself. <laughs> All right, that was Spencer, and I'm Snag. And thanks for listening to Snag Says uh, Podcast Six. Uh, well, I will say thanks for sticking with us, the ones that have. That's 2016. All this has been a, pretty much a bit of an experiment. Uh, and, you know, it's been pretty unpolished and disorganised, but you can look forward to more of that in 17 because I'm not doing about it. Uh, thanks for sticking with us. Have a great 17, and we'll talk to you in the first week of January. Take it easy. Bye.